This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast... If you ask me, Christian, why do you believe the Bible? It's because of what Jesus has done in me. I was there when Jesus changed me. I am the man in John chapter 9 who said, I can't answer every question about Jesus, but I know this. I was this way, and now I'm this way. That's why I'm going to believe in him. Thank you for listening to the Activate Podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and joining me is Pastor Christian Newsom, lead and founding pastor of Journey. Today, we'll be continuing our conversation in our series, Foundations, Why You Can Trust the Bible. Pastor Christian, we are already hearing a great response from individuals about this new series. But before we jump into the conversation from Sunday's message, let's talk about small groups for just a minute. If you don't mind, last Sunday, we started a new semester of groups at Journey. Would you mind taking a moment to share why being involved in spiritual community is so important for our spiritual growth? Yeah, in in several different ways, Brandon. One, uh, if you would have been a follower of Jesus in the New Testament— and I mean, that, that's always what I, what I go back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does a follower of Jesus look like? Well, go, go look at him and see what his followers look like. Jesus would have said, hey, follow me. And then he would have said, join this group. Follow me and join the group because it's in group where you do life together. It's in a group where you do ministry together. It's in a group where even your tensions with one another shape you spiritually, teach you spiritually. Uh, It's in a group where you have hard conversations. It's in a group where uh, you find comfort when difficult times have happened. Um, If you would have been a follower of Jesus in the Bible, you would have you would have been a part of a group of a small group. If we if we just look Old Testament, uh, right, we get to the Garden of Eden and we see Adam living in a perfect I mean, a perfect world, the Garden mm-hmm. of Eden, the animals. He lived in the perfect world, the perfect day, the perfect relationship with God, except he was alone. Mm-hmm. He needed someone else in his life. So God gave him Eve. And then and then they had a family. I mean, the first institution was a was a small group, a family. Right. Um, so it's not impossible to follow God without without being in a group, um, but but it's better. Uh, it's better. It's richer. It's fuller. And if you'd have been a follower of Jesus in the Bible, you would have been in a small group. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes four, though one might fall, and I would say the one will fall. I yes. mean, we're, we're we're all we're all going to sh- stumble, struggle, suffer, right? Stumble stumble with sin. We need someone to help us out. Um, you know, just stumble through life with, with decision-making. We need someone to help us out suffer. Um, we don't want to do those things alone. Uh, Solomon says, though one may fall, two can more easily defend themselves. And a group of three, man, is not easily broken. So get a group of people around you. If you're one of the people that says, man, I'm really strong. I don't need a group. It's because God made you to lead a group. If you don't need That's a group, good. you should be leading a group. Um, so yeah, groups are, uh, are of the utmost importance for fulfilling the deep discipleship mission of Jesus in your life. Can I follow up with that real quick, Pastor Christian? Can you share for the the participants of group at Journey that are, are involved this semester, what do you hope that the people involved in groups at Journey experience this semester? Yeah, so great question. It's Thursday night as we record this podcast. We just got done having our, our team dinner for uh, my son's football team that I that I help coach at Summit Christian Academy. And several of our small groups are meeting right right now in the building uh, while we're here. So I, I ran down the nursery hallway and just popped my head into all the groups, said hi. And as I was walking um, down the nursery hallway, I heard Aaron Woodson, one of our group leaders, 
telling his group, here is the goal for uh, for this year. And I heard him say it's ES, it's ESPN. Um, ESPN is the acronym that we have embraced. These these are the goals for groups that every time you're at group, you'd be encouraged in life, that every time you're in group, you would reflect on or learn a new scripture or talk about a scripture, that every time you're in a group, you would be prayed for, prayed over, prayed with, and that every time you're in a group, you would be encouraged to take a next step to grow spiritually. So the target of our goal, so they are working if people go to group and they leave encouraged, they leave filled with scripture, they leave prayed over, and they clearly know what their next steps are spiritually. ESPN is the goal of our groups. Um, ESPN is the goal of my Saturday this week when I turn on the television for the first full Saturday of college football, ESPN. So ESPN on TV is deeply, um, deeply satisfying to my soul. ESPN in small groups, encouragement, scripture, prayer, next step, deeply satisfying to the soul. That's so good. And it's memorable. So yeah, yeah. Easily to remember, easy to remember. Well, let's jump into your message from Sunday. Uh, You outlined five reasons why we believe the Bible came from God. The first reason that you mentioned that we can believe the Bible came from God is because of the unity of the message of Scripture from a diverse human, uh, from diverse human sources. You stated that the one theme of Scripture is God's relationship with, with and redemption of humanity to Himself for eternity. So here's a question: As I was processing this in my mind, and maybe somebody else may have the same question. What about a book like Esther? Like Esther's a great book in the Old Testament. How do we see God's relationship with and redemption of humanity for eternity in a book where God's not even referred to one time in the entire book? Well, so I would say this. Esther is not the only book of special revelation. Esther, outside of the other collection of God's special revelation, doesn't really tell us a whole lot about what's going on. But Esther, alongside Genesis, where God says in Genesis 12 that he found a man named Abram who, who had a faith, a genuine faith that led, that led to righteousness in his life, that, that led to him being declared righteous, uh, that, that God would bless Abraham to be a blessing to bless the world. And whoever blessed Abraham and his family, God would bless, and whoever cursed them, God would curse, because Abraham's people were to be a blessing to the world. With that backdrop, you look at the book of Esther, and what you see is a God you can trust. You see a God who backs up his promises. You see a God who says, I have a plan for the redemption of the world to live with me in eternity. And even when the most powerful empire on the world plans to thwart my plan, I intervene. I, I intervene with a little girl who doesn't even have parents. I intervene with a little girl who was kidnapped because she was good looking to be put into a king's harem. I intervene in the face of a murderous madman who hates Jewish people. I'm not talking about in the 1940s. I'm not talking, you know, Old, Old Testament Persia. What we see in the book of Esther is that God can be trusted because his promises from previous revelation are fulfilled real time. And then if you fast forward a few hundred years, here here comes Jesus, and because of what happened in Esther, there is a Jewish people that the Jewish Messiah comes from, living in their homeland, um, worshiping at the same place that Abram, uh, the father of this country and of this people, sacrificed his son Isaac as a as a proof of his faith. Like it all fits together. Esther by itself doesn't tell us a whole lot about God, but Genesis to Revelation, it, I mean, th- this is one of the reasons. 
Moses did not know when he was writing the story of Genesis what was going to happen in Esther. Um, but the, the fact that what Moses said actually happened and it led to what else the Bible said would happen, but nobody could have put those. Like, n- there's no possible, there's no mathematical possibilities that all those things could have happened if there wasn't one author of life and of the story. So even the book of Esther is just great, great proof that what God promised, he fulfilled for the purposes that he said he would fulfill them. So his people could be a blessing to the world so that the world might know him. Well, reason number two why we believe the Bible came from God was the extraordinary claims that the Bible came from God. The Bible claims that it came from God. Over 3,000 times in Scripture, the authors claim their message is from God. So one of the questions that people struggle with um, perhaps is this. How can you use passage from the Bible to prove it was from God? Uh, of course, isn't the Bible going to say it is the truth? So here's, here's the question. Pastor Christian, how should we respond when people question the use of the Bible to prove the validity of the Bible? Yes, yeah, so that, that is not just a great question. It's a, it's a great point. And I would, I would hope you would research that in, in, in every religion. Hmm. I mean, Joseph Smith says the Book of Mormon came from God. Uh, Muhammad claimed yes. that, you know, the, the Quran came from God. Um, in, in Buddhism and Hinduism, I mean, there, there are all the these... Cl- yeah, I mean, everyone, cl- everyone claims their special revelation came from God. Why, why would ours be any different? Um, or is ours just one of the gods and one of the revelations? I, I, so I don't think that statement alone is enough. You know, how do you know the Bible came from, from God? Because it says so. That's why all five of these are needed. And really, it's why we're having five conversations. Because really, the f- the first answer to that question is general revelation. The first question is, is there anything as we look around that says there is a there is a creative God, a creator God who seems to have created this so that humanity could live and seems to be trying to get their attention? And if so... What does he tell us about himself? And then we've got to look into any of those divine texts and say, do, do any of these back up their claims? Does archaeology back up the history that's in the Bible? Um, does, uh, does prophecy prove that any of these books might be supernatural? You know, Christianity, I said in my message, Christianity is the only world religion that has one of the basis of its faith being prophecy, fulfilled prophecy that that someone could know hundreds of years beforehand, sometimes thousands of years beforehand, exactly what was going to happen, where it was going to happen, names of people, not just things that would play out in, in the country of Israel, but things that would play out ac- across the global world um, of kings and kingdoms. Um, it, you, you really have to look at the claims together to say, well, the Bible, the Bible says it came from God, but can it back that up? And when you look at claim number one, well— all of these people are writing about the same thing, but they didn't know each other. They didn't live at the same time. They had different occupations. So it appears that they're drawing from a common source, right? But, may, you know, maybe they found the story written on a cave somewhere and they all visited the same sure, cave. That, and that you know, could over, have been a yeah, possibility. You know, yeah, and over the years, they're all kind of writing the story they saw in the cave that, that, has, that has been engraved forever. This, certainly, they have a common source. Is it supernatural? Uh, it does supernatural things. It predicts the future accurately over and over and over again. It preserves the past 
Archaeology proves it over and over and over again. So it's credible as history. It appears supernatural as revelation that whoever wrote it today knows what's going to happen 300 years from now. And several different people had that occurrence. So the source of who, you know, whoever wrote in the cave has to has to know the future, which means maybe exist in the future, which may, means maybe he's eternal. Um, when when you add all those things together and then you add your own personal experience of how it's impacted your heart, um, I, I don't think it's enough to say the Bible is from God because God says so. But I think once you add everything, when you when you realize what Jesus did in your life, when you realize how it came together, um, when you realize the supernatural fulfillment of prophecy, um, you, when you realize general revelation leads to special revelation, and then you look at at all of it and then say, and, I mean, God kind of sa- God kind of said so. That could be the last argument, um, but God kind of says, hey, th- this is this is my message to you. So again, um, just like your previous question, Esther doesn't stand alone. But with everything else, she, the book of Esther stands strong. And, and this claim that, well, God said so. Who cares if it was 3,000 times? Everyone who wrote their special book says it came from God. Is there anything that backs that up? And once it backs it up, you can say God, God said it, um, and, and it, appear, it appears he wrote it. So maybe I should trust it and believe it. Well, let's jump to reason number four of why we believe the Bible came from God. And, and this one specifically is still echoing in my mind. Um, we can believe that the Bible came from God because of the honesty of the Scripture towards its people. Some of the heroes of our faith were very flawed. Um, in fact, a lot of them were messed up individuals, and Scripture doesn't hide it. They don't beat around the bush. So you stated that the resounding message of the Scripture is always the grace of God, not the goodness of its people. So here's my question. How does this personally give you greater confidence that the Bible came from God. Well, yeah. So, you know, one of the one of the great movie series of our times, you know, is this Marvel Comics um, Avengers, so Avengers series. There's like 300 of them. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, and, and they're phenomenal. And you you watch these movies and you you want to be Captain America or you you want to be Iron Man or you want to be Thor. He's so funny. Right. Or you want to be the, the Incredible Hulk. Like when he's able to turn green and stay green, but like control his his anger and rage and wear his glasses and his sweater. I mean, you like you you want to be um, these people, but we're not. We're like we're normal. We're we're flawed. We're we're flesh and bone. And when you look at so many of the world religions, they focus on the the heroes of the story, the Greek gods and the Roman gods. And there's nothing that leads you to believe that you can be a part of that story or that you are important in the story. You are, you're just kind of a, um, you know, you're, you're kind of in the backstory of, of the main theme. Yet, yet in Scripture, God is coming down to these fragile, broken people, and he's saying, I, I see how fragile you are, see how broken you are, see how human you are, but I love you. And my plan is to redeem you and to forgive you and to take all of your brokenness and use it. You know, you said in your question that, you know, um, some of the great heroes of the Bible were deeply, deeply broken. I would say almost all of the, he- the, the people in the Bible are deeply broken. And the reason that that gives me, uh, that gives me comfort as a dad, uh, because I see so many people in Scripture that God used who weren't good dads. Because if I had to be a perfect dad, God couldn't use me because I'm not. And it gives me confidence as a husband um, because there's so many husbands in the Bible that missed, but God still used them. And if you had to be a perfect 
husband, a supernatural husband, a Captain America husband, I would I would miss. Um, and it gives me tremendous confidence as a pastor, because if it took spiritual perfection to be in spiritual leadership, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out almost every day of my life. But it doesn't take spiritual perfection to be in spiritual leadership, um, to be a good husband, to be a good dad. Um, to be able to lead spiritually, it takes Jesus. He is the He is the hero of the story, and He embraces us and transforms us and gives us a purpose and allows us to make a difference. I mean, it it is one of the great. It is it is the theme of the Bible that God wants us to know Him, be transformed by Him, find our purpose, and make a difference, even though we're not really built to. With his spirit in us, we can, and, and he allows us to. So there's just deep, there's deep honesty in the Bible in saying, man, the, the followers of this Jesus thing, man, are some jacked up people. But Jesus is so, so good. So it gives the, it gives the whole world hope that they can follow Jesus as well. He is the hero. Um, and one day he will be the conquering hero. Right now, he he's the suffering, he's the servant hero. He came to suffer um, and die so that he could serve us. And one day he'll come back and conquer. And man, that'll that'll be that'll be a sight to see. One day he he will be greater than all of the Avengers combined. Um, but right now he he comes to use and to help uh, really broken people. And that's that's a story that I can that I can fit into because I'm one of those. Well, Pastor Christian, I would guess sadly that the average follower of Jesus cannot explain why they believe believe the Bible is from God. That's why I so appreciate this message. Um, your, your message is so valuable because it can equip us all for conversations that we might have with individuals who are skeptical of the Bible. I think the days of using the explanation, the Bible says it, that settles it for me, are, are, are far gone. In fact, I think we have to provide better answers both for ourselves, believable answers for ourselves, and and for other people. So I want to review, if you would uh, humor me for the moment, I want to review these five reasons again for our listeners why we believe, believe the Bible came from God. And then I'm going to follow up with our final question. The first one is this, the unity of the message of the Scripture from diverse human sources. Number two, the extraordinary claims that the Bible came from God. Number three, the fulfillment of prophecy. Number four, the honesty of Scripture towards its people. And number five, the unique revelation and personal work of Jesus Christ in the lives of his people. So honestly, uh, we touched on it just a little bit earlier, and, and maybe maybe you want to expand on this just a little bit more. They could have all potentially stood alone as a reason to believe the, guy, the Bible came from God, but we get all five of these reasons. Right. So which of these reasons has been most impactful for you as you trust the authenticity of Scripture? Yeah, so I mean, e- each of those reasons individually is impactful, but together they're Captain Planet, right? I mean, like to, like they're with those with their forces combined, right? I mean, they 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 form a so I mean a really important. strong supernatural comment. We will, by the way, that the phrase the Bible says that settles it is theologically accurate. Because we do believe that the Bible holds ultimate moral authority. We will talk about that in the last week of the, the series. If the Bible says it, does that settle it? Or, or can, can we still talk about it a little bit? Can, can we change our mind? So we, we will talk about that. Um, but you're right. At, as, in, as an apologetic argument, um, as evangelism, we probably need a little more. Uh, which one of these five is, is my favorite five? So I have two sons. One of them is 18 <laughs> years old. 
and one of them is 18 inches tall. Um, <laughs> one of them is a senior in high school. One of them wags his tail, right? My my, my oldest son is Christian. Yeah, no offense yeah, to him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And my little short son, you, like you know his name, right? My, yeah, like we, prob- we talk about him often. Yeah, Rudy. Yes. I mean, a lot of people on this podcast probably know Rudy and have even seen a picture of Rudy. Rudy is named after a football player. He really wasn't a football player. He was kind of a... Uh, a kid on the team at Notre Dame, uh, Rudy Rudiger from from the movie Rudy, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, last Saturday night, I was together with a with a group of guys watching the college football kickoff season, and one of them is a diehard Notre Dame fan. And we had this group text about the Florida Miami game, and and the Notre Dame fan. I mean, is just razzing the Florida fan. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. And the Florida fan jumps into the tech strain and says, Rudy was offsides. Um, if you've seen, if you've seen <laughs> yes, the movie, yeah, this little guy, Rudy, gets in for one play and he gets his sack and they carry him off, um, carry him off the field on the team's shoulders. Um, so he says, Rudy, Rudy was offsides. So I text back and said, hang on now. Um, that, you know, that is, that's my dog. We don't need to talk about that. Um, Rudy was not offsides. So there's all these people chiming in about, you know, was Rudy offsides in the movies? And the Notre Dame fan um, gets on and says, I was at the game that that was filmed at. Uh, it was a live Notre Dame game. And at halftime, they brought on all these actors and told them applaud for good plays, cheer at the end. I was at the game where it was filmed. He was not offsides. And it, yeah, so at that time, his argument won because he was the only one to experience it live. And it's like, he was there. Like, he, he was there. He saw it with his own eyes. I mean, he says it happened. It happened. When I look at that story, for me, the fifth argument is the strongest. If you ask me, Christian, why do you believe the Bible? It's because of what Jesus has done in me. I was there when Jesus changed me. I am the man in John chapter 9 who said, I can't answer every question about Jesus, but I know this. I was this way, and now I'm this way. That's why I'm going to believe in him. For me, the strongest apologetic of my life is what Jesus has done in my heart, how Jesus has changed me. If you would ask me the, the things the things that I would like to talk about the most outside of those, the unity of Scripture from the diverse human sources, you're talking about nearly 40 people who wrote over a period of 1,600 years over an expanse of 2,200 miles, and they're all given the same message. Brandon, that's, that's crazy. I mean, you're, you're talking about if we, if we would just back up 1,600 years, you're, you're looking at like 300, 400 A.D., and you're saying somebody who wrote something then and somebody who writes something today who live in different parts of the world. I mean, think about just how much technology has changed the world, and they're writing the same story, and they've never met or read each other's story. You would have to say there's a higher source that's speaking into them. And, and, then, you, and then you put 30 others in between them, and they all do the same thing even though they never meet. For me, for me that, I mean, that, that really seals the deal. When you add fulfilled prophecy with it, there's got to be a common source, and that source knows the future. So I just got to, I got to trust he's a God. Um, and in the Bible, it says he's a, he's a God who loves me and wants to have a relationship with me. And because I have experienced that through Jesus in my own heart, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. So um, Rudy was not off sites because the guy was at the game. And he, he saw it and he cheered for it. He was not off sides. He was a great football player. 
My dog is named after him. We should all honor him greatly. Rudy was not offsides, and Jesus has changed my life. Well, Pastor Christian, there's been no other book in history that's been more scrutinized than the Bible, and it stood the test of time. It has. Because of these five reasons that you talked about, and these are so important for every follower of Jesus to understand so that they can have good conversations with people who are far from God, who are searching, who are looking for a reason to first potentially disprove the Bible so that we can show them that the Bible truly did come from God. Right. So, so good. Well, Pastor Christian, thank you for equipping us with a tool that we can use to have better conversations with people who are searching for hope. But more importantly, I believe this will help us to identify for ourselves why we can believe that the Bible is from God and we can trust what it says. And thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, we provide this resource not only for you, but for people you know who may have questions, especially about the Bible. Share this resource with them. Allow it to start conversations that lead to discipleship moments. And we pray that this has helped you understand that there are good reasons to believe the Bible came from God and that the best reason to believe that it's from Him is because of the person of Jesus. Jesus said it was true, and anyone that claimed to be the Son of God performed miracles, predicted that He would die, and then rise from the grave, and then pull it off, we can trust Him completely. So we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.